Hello and welcome to the Cracking Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm Anna, editor at TICE, and today I'll be talking with Chief Technology Officer at ESET, Juraj Malko, about studying the enemy, convincing the board to invest, and the future of cybersecurity. Remember, I'll be back at the end of the podcast with a cyber tip of the week. But for now, here is Juraj in answer to my question, what is the difference between attackers and defenders? Both sides uh, like to or want to study their enemy. The difference is um, when these types of attackers are actually doing their job, um, I would say they're uh, better motivated. They see sort of a progress when they do the reconnaissance uh, or you know those attacks. While if you're in defense, uh, of course, you're not defending only against these specific actors, but you have you know, the whole infrastructure. And... Um, I would say generally uh, attackers are more focused because it's easier to actually you know sneak through or like basically you know find that one weak spot. Defense is more about um, you know systematic approach and something that can scale reasonably. So we basically can uh, keep up with your uh, technical equipment, you know your your uh, technical defense and your security personnel. And that's, that's basically the main, main difference, I would say. But everyone is, of course, uh, uh, welcoming any type of data uh, they can use uh, for either you know, the offensive part or, or defense. What are you, what's your advice for keeping up on the defense? Well, the main thing I, I could, uh, uh, main advice I could offer would be um, well, keeping up to date and, and, and making sure uh, you're not forgetting that the attackers are really motivated. So um, you definitely need to learn from your mistakes or you know from past events that, that have happened. Uh, this is actually quite often the case that's not happening, that you know people very quickly uh, forget you know there was something that we could actually tune based on which we could actually uh, tune uh, the defense uh, for better. Um, What's that wake-up call for you? Is there something that sticks out in the past? Well, I have an example of, of, uh, of a client that uh, was experiencing a spear phishing attack, so basically getting some, some emails from um, from unknown source. Uh, and these emails were basically carrying some sort of malware, which wasn't anything special. Uh, and basically, so they were able to, to defend. There was no problem. However, uh, several months or maybe a year later, Suddenly, they got a um, uh, zero-day attack, so you know something really fresh, uh, coming from the same source. Of course, they didn't bother to actually, uh, you know, act upon this uh, piece of information, and they, they got infected. While all they needed to do is, you know, as I said, tune the defense. So basically, you know, apply this knowledge on their perimeter firewall, uh, or you know, any type of network uh, filtering, and they could have prevented it. So this is exactly, you know, what I mean by really paying attention to all information you are able to find or that you already know uh, and really apply it because these attacks are not just you know random things. Someone is, is going to use all of the information they're able to find about you and you should be doing the same. If someone is, for example, asking that you know, we need to spend money on securing these type of, types of uh, systems, uh, people shouldn't be just saying like, well... I don't really understand it. I don't know why we should spend so many millions, uh, so let's not do it. You know, it's, it's, it's a serious problem. And, and, you know, if people who know what should be done are saying, 
let's let's make them secure. You know, let's let's do our best. I guess everyone should say like, yeah, this is what we need to do. But it is really hard to justify a cost for something that hasn't happened yet. How do you advise uh, CISOs, CTOs, CIOs that are, are, are going to the board and saying, "Look, we've got to invest this money"? And how, how do we? How do they convince them? All right. So, of course, not everyone is uh, is protecting a nuclear nuclear power plant, right? Uh, so, you know, defense is is basically a, a matter of uh, balancing out the risks and uh, and the benefits. So it's like, you know, you're, if you're, you know, storing at home like uh, 500 uh, euros cash, you're not going to buy, uh, you know, I don't know which, which level of safety uh, safe that, you know, you would find in a bank and, and that would cost, you know, hundreds of thousands. So uh, the same way you are going to basically um, make your defense appropriate and adequate. So, you know, if, if you are running... Uh, uh, for example, online store, and your your business is dependent on this uh, because you know one, two, three days uh, offline makes you basically lose like you know all of the income uh, from these days. You definitely want to secure it. You want to have a backup. You want to be able to you know flip a switch and suddenly there's a new server running. Uh, you might want to think about uh, DDoS protection, so someone it's not easily you know knocking your uh, server down. Um, so what I mean is, is really uh, gauging what is the value that you're protecting and when this is clear for you and obviously uh, you should know what are the types of attacks you could prevent, this is where you uh, will start looking at the basic you know, defense blocks and, and of course like, you know, looking at which of them you can actually afford and that makes sense to you. Convincing the board to invest uh, in precautions is obviously one challenge. What do you think the other challenges are for security decision makers? Is there one that sticks out? I would say the, the, the other challenge, other than money obviously, is, is being able to explain the risk. But this is not just a problem of, of CISOs. I mean, they can only encourage everyone to, to you know, educate themselves whether it's, it's the board or it's actually the, the, the employees of a company. What do you mean by explain? Is it the, the type of language they use or actually explaining the problem? Language, obviously, is, is a part of it. But I think that if, if nowadays you want to be um, in charge of something really valuable, unless you, you blindly trust someone, so let's say this would be the situation that you, know, you blindly trust the CISO and you, you say, whatever you tell me, I'm with you, do it. That's one thing, but I would rather say, learn the basics if you want to verify. And and uh, because the thing is, if you understand uh, what the the risks are, and I'm not saying expert and you know basically analyzing malware, but knowing that yes, this could happen, that could happen. Uh, if I bring my device, like let's say I bring bring our own device thing. Uh, I might infect myself at home, so I I understand that you know if the security personnel asked me to install this software so we can, you know, minimize the risk. I'm not going to, you know, resist and so on and so on. So the thing is, if you understand the basics, you can, you will realize the risk and you will share the risk. And sort of sharing the burden of, um, of, of the attack or, or basically uh, it's not that, you know, someone is only preaching to you that you need to do this and there's no other way and you'll be safe. Rather, oh, I understand, I'm a part of the game, and if I don't behave responsibly, I'm going to be the weakest link, and actually I will be the problem. 
So it's, uh, this is what I mean by this sort of shift of thinking. So there's a shift of culture in a way. If you, you're all sharing the load. It's not the, the responsibility of just one department. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we cannot pretend that you know, while all of us are using all of these digital devices and, and living half of our lives on the Internet, uh, at the same time we can happily say that I don't understand it and I don't, don't want to understand it, I'm fine. You know, just make it work. Mm, it's, it's not realistic. And where do you think it's all going? What's the future of cybersecurity? Future of cybersecurity, it's uh, <laughs> that's a tricky question. Uh, I guess we'll be if if we look at all of our all of our technology uh, uh, with every new generation of any type of device. I think we're doing better job in in securing it in terms of like its design and you know finding the the previous bugs, fixing them, and so on, so on. Um, in cybersec, um, eventually the problem will be how to how to secure people from the perspective of their behavior. That's actually part of what I was talking about. You know how they think about uh, things. If they if they just don't don't behave pr- properly, that's where uh, cybersecurity companies need to help. The other big challenge is um, um, basically fighting automated attacks. Uh, by this, I mean, uh, you know, at any point in time, uh, you can perform some type of attack. Of course, you will help yourself with the with the possibilities that technology is uh, is, is giving you. Uh, but that means that you know, if today we can automate, you know, denial of service attacks, we can uh, automate, um, um, you know. Uh, exploitation through some exploit packs or basically a, a sort of weaponized exploits, so it's sort of happening automatically. Um, in the future, um, by means of you know all this machine learning and basically this heavier automation, I'd like to call it, um, you can automate attacks which are going to be more sophisticated. That you know today you would need um, like a person, physical person, someone who is thinking, and suddenly uh, attacks might look much more uh, plausible. Uh, people will will trust you know what's happening more. There's lots of data out there which the attacker can use to actually prepare a, a good case, and so I think you know, we will have more really you know tailored attacks that people will need to think about. Like, did I really request this? Does this make sense to me? It's you know sort of less trust in in these sort of you know unsolicited offers and emails and and phone calls. Um, you know, think of a day when we will have like really good uh, voice bots, so you know people will be bothering you on the phone and acting like friends or someone you know, and of course having great database of anything you said somewhere or you know published on the social media. Now this this can look uh, quite uh, quite heavy, you know. But is this not contributing to a paranoid world? You know. Um, I don't say that everyone needs to be as paranoid as I am or as any security professional uh, might be, but I would definitely say that um, some, you know, healthy portion of paranoia is something that everyone should really uh, uh, care to have and and and, and build uh, within themselves. Because uh, really, if you so, I mean, imagine this world where you are just trusting anything that flies by. And you're using technology that you don't know, and you're talking to through the technology with people you don't know. I mean, so what 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 is it actually that you're living, right? 
and actually you might be talking and spending your, your lifetime with bots and, and being sort of misused all the time. So I guess uh, people shouldn't uh, forget that actually they are these living, you know, intelligent things and they, <laughs> they need to stay human. Thanks to Juraj. And now for our cyber tip of the week. You probably have at least some people within your social media networks who are untrustworthy, either because they're careless or because they're not who you think they are. So watch out there. That's all we have time for now. Please do rate, review, comment on our shows. We welcome all your thoughts and opinions. And you can also follow us at Tice and tweet us your questions or even topic suggestions for our podcasts. For now, it's bye from us. Join us next week for some more cybersecurity essentials.